surpass first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. It's available every single weekday, Monday through Friday, free on all platforms. So make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same as Locked on Blazers, your team every day in today's show. We will talk about the Blazers getting blown out by the Bucks, but briefly, because there's more fun things to talk about than a home beat down against a championship contender, and the Blazers certainly got beat down on Monday evening. I want to talk about Jared Vanderbilt, future Blazer Jared Vanderbilt. We're going to talk about him in the second segment, and then we'll close the show talking a little about the fallout of the Kyrie Irving trade and the impact it could have on the Blazers in the near and the medium term. Uh, the medium term could be meaningful for Portland following Kyrie Irving's exit from the Brooklyn Nets. But first, let's let's unfortunately do what we do. Just kidding. It's still fun even when they lose. It's, it's, I, we have fun on the podcast. We're going to have fun today. The Blazers got walloped, though. They lose 127-108. This game was not particularly competitive in the second half. Portland was down 30-22 at the break, and fi- or 30-22 after one, and 58-48 at the break. I actually thought Portland played well in the first half. They couldn't hang. Like, Milwaukee was just better than them, and it was obvious they were better than them, and Portland wasn't shooting well. They weren't generating good, like, easy looks, and Milwaukee was um, just, just like, way too big for them to handle. And But I didn't think they played poorly in the first half. They, they were, like, they were right there. They were sort of right there despite it all in this game, and then the third quarter happened, and they were no longer in the game. Bucks outscore the Blazers 37-23 in the third quarter and that's your ball game they go into the fourth up 95 71 and they cruise both teams played their starters way too long I have no idea what Mike Budenholzer was doing he left his starters in there for forever even at the end of the game he plays like rotation guys who are going to play in the playoffs Javon Carter uh, Wes Matthews on the court at the end of the uh, at the end of a blowout game who knows? Um, whatever. <laughs> Nitpicking. That's your fast recap in the West. Bucks win 127-108. Damian Lillard, 28 points to go with four boards and five assists. Anthony Simons had 21 and five dimes. Jeremy Grant continues to struggle. 13 points on four of 13, shooting one of seven from three. Got this from the broadcast. Shout out to Lamar Hurd, who said that it was fourth straight game under 20 points. The longest stretch of Jeremy Grant's Blazers tenure without cracking the 20-point mark. They need him. They're not. They're not going to be a particularly good team if he doesn't score. Um, you know, their their offense really isn't their problem. It's the other side of the ball that's like a bigger issue. But they're sort of long term prospects. They. Jeremy Grant needs to score. It's four games. It's not a big deal, but they need him to score. Uh, no Drew Eubanks in this, or no no Yusuf Nurkic in this one. So Drew Eubanks played, and and that ended up being, quite frankly. A big deal. Um, he finished with uh, 10 points, four boards, and five assists. I thought Drew was fine. He's just way too small. On the other side of the court, speaking of way too small, Brooke Lopez, 27 points, nine rebounds on nine of 12 shooting. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 24 points on nine of 14 shooting. Those two dudes combined for a cool 51 on 18 of 26 shooting to go with 22 rebounds. The Blazers had a team as a team had 28 boards. They just weren't big enough. They weren't big enough. Uh, Drew Holiday finished with 20. Pat Connaughton 11. Chris Middleton 13 off the bench. The aforementioned Javon Carter, who played at the end of the game for no reason. Uh, shout out to Mike Budenholzer. Also had 11 and fi- 11 five boards and three assists off the bench. Um, yeah, like I don't think there's a lot to 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 get into in this game. Quite frankly, um, I mean, there's let's get into the basics. Milwaukee is better than Portland, and tonight was a reminder of the distance the Blazers are from a championship level team. The 
the green folks who visited the Moda Center tonight, the, the gentleman clad in green, that's a team that can win a title. Um, you know, Chris Middleton's still coming off the bench, and and they're they're being, um, I guess, relatively careful with his minutes. Um, again, he was on the court at the end of a game for no reason to blow up, but. Um, you know they're 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 getting ready to win games in April and May and hopefully get to June. Like they're championship level good. They are absolutely one of the handful of teams in the league that can win a championship. And the Blazers are, I don't know, way the hell away from that. <laughs> not not particularly close to that level. Um, some of it was just bad shooting. Like the Blazers were nine of thirty six from three, and I thought they missed some good looks. And some of it is just the Bucks make it so hard to get to the rim. They make it so hard to to consistently generate good easy looks that the Blazers were uh you know they were they weren't getting enough easy looks that weren't three-pointers and they weren't getting easy buckets at the rim they weren't running that much in fact they I think they probably should have tried to run more in this game and Milwaukee just said we're going to pick you apart if you switch and the Blazers switched pretty freely in this game um probably more freely freely than maybe they should have uh but like the switching wasn't the problem. The, the, the Bucks certainly attacked that a bunch. The problem was that they're just too small. Like, what are you going to do? If Trent Watford is your backup center against this team, you're going to lose. It was a night they absolutely, absolutely, absolutely missed Yusuf Nurkic. Um, it just, it is what it is. They, they missed him. Um, they, they said, and I'll agree with another thing they said on the broadcast tonight, this is a game they probably missed a little bit of Justice Winslow because if you're going to go small, the flavor of small better be strong as heck like Winslow is and not um, some other options. Like, they just, they're, they're this... This team was too small when they built it. This team remains too small now. This week is about getting less small. That's, for me, this was a reminder of, one, this, like, you know, let's let's say you you are a big believer in in what the um what the front office is selling if you are buy into buy into exactly the message they gave you one this team was unfinished and two they kind of knew this team was flawed okay we're heading into the trade deadline this week unfinished means you got it and and the other thing they said i missed this whole i missed the whole point i was trying to make is that it would take you know they thought it would take a little bit maybe two cycles a trade deadline and a free agency in free agency summer off season to get them to where they want to be Step one is this week, the trade deadline, because you, you, you know, it's really hard to build a champion in the league. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not going to be like, well, Joe Cronin has to do it by October. Like, it's so hard. It's so hard. Um, less than half the league, 14 teams have won an NBA title in, four, in the last 40 years. It's just, um, it's, it is, it is not, um, it is not a, there's not a lot of parity in the NBA. Uh, it happens in cycles and teams dominate for cycles, but um, it's, the Blazers have to get better if they're going to get closer and they're serious about getting closer. They have to get better. They have to, they have to, tr- if, if they've said they want to try and get better and build with Dame and push towards a championship, it's this week to do it. And and Milwaukee was a real up close and personal under the microscope. Like, yeah, them, that's what it looks like up close. Like you can see the pores on those dudes faces. Those are championship level pores. The Blazers are, are, are a ways away. They're a ways away. So how do they get there? One step, step one, acquire acquire Utah Jazz big man Jared Vanderbilt um I'm kidding but it does really seem like Jared Vanderbilt's going to be wearing pinwheels by Friday afternoon so let's talk about future trailblazer Jared Vanderbilt in the second segment before we do that I want to tell you about Built Bar y'all know Built Bar because I've been telling you about it for three years I've also been eating them for three years like you know I'm I'll, I'll push a product on here I I'm a I um I know the job. 
But Bill Bar is, is for real something that I enjoy in my home with regularity. I've been eating them for close to three years. I like them because they uh, have 17 grams of protein on average, just 130 calories, four, f less than five grams of sugar on average, four grams of sugar, and just four net carbs. Personal favorites, I love peanut butter brownie and I love cookies and cream. But right now they got churro out there. They got brownie batter out there. You can still get double chocolate, raspberry. You can get the chocolate caramel action, whatever you're looking for, built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. But now also available at brick and mortar stores, Walmart and Sam's Club carry built bars. So if you do not want to order them online, and you want to just go out to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, check them out, buy a, buy a four pack, see what you like, then go buy, back and buy a 13 pack box. Find out if I've been telling you the truth all these years about built bar or visit built.com. All right. Let's talk trades. Future tra future trailblazer Jared Vanderbilt. First, um, well, actually, let's just run through the... I'll, I screwed something up probably about this, and I want to tell you uh, because one of the things that I um, take pride in in this podcast is when I get stuff wrong, I love to smile and laugh about how wrong I was. Tony Jones of The Athletic reports that one Western Conference team has an offer on the table to the Utah Jazz in exchange for big man Jared Vanderbilt for multiple second-round picks. Well, if you'll recall, Shams Tarani of The Athletic reported that the Blazers are a strong suitor for Jared Vanderbilt. The Blazers do not have first-round picks to trade. What they do have is multiple second-round picks in future drafts, none in this draft, but future drafts, a couple in 2024, a couple in 2026, that they could trade in the future. What Western Conference team with multiple second-rounders to trade could be interested in Jared Vanderbilt? That certainly sounds like your Portland Trailblazers. In that same story, Tony Jones uh, Tony Jones is the beat writer, jazz beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, Tony is plugged in. He knows his, he is as good as it gets. Um, you know, beat writers come in a bunch of flavors. Tony is really, really plugged into what the jazz are thinking. He has been been that way for for years. Uh, Tony, Tony also suggested that there's other teams that are interested and that the Vanderbilt, um, the, the Jazz will figure out what, what Vanderbilt's market is because they're really starting to listen to trades trade talk this week, real tangible offers. And they may still try to get, try to get a first out of someone somewhere, but but it does appear one Western Conference team, multiple, multiple picks. Um, and what they're what the Jazz are after is not necessarily collecting draft draft assets and tanking. Although they would go that way if they if they determine that that's sort of their best path because what they want is they want to be good in the in the near term they want someone that can help them be good like next year because they don't want to go through like a multi-cycle terrible rebuild they want to kind of say hey we you know we skipped a couple steps by getting Lowry Markin and Colin Sexton and how good Walker Kessler is let's get back up to where we think we can be because we're going to have our own picks and we got a glut of other picks from Minnesota and we're going to make we're going to make it happen a glut of other picks from from uh Cleveland as well like we can they they, they don't according to Jones's um Reporting is like they don't have incentive to totally tear it down, but they would be willing to get rid of some veterans to acquire some future assets. And that gets to the future assets include the reporting from Michael Scott of Hoops Hype that said that Nazir Little was a name to monitor that could be likely involved in a trade for Jared Vanderbilt. Um, in addition, Matt Moore, who hosts the Locked on Nuggets podcast and is one of the hosts of Locked on NBA right here in this network and writes for Action News Network, wrote that there was a, quote, high likelihood according to one league source, that Jared Vanderbilt winds up with the Blazers. All of that seems to be pointing to 
a couple things and let's get back to the thing I got wrong. On a podcast last week, I said that many of you have sent me the trade that Justice Winslow and a couple second round picks in exchange for Jared Vanderbilt. And I said, that's way too low. And it turns out reading this reporting now, this like sourced reporting out here from a variety of sources, that doesn't seem like that far off. Y'all were right. I was wrong. My idea in that trade was that the Jazz would want more from the Blazers in exchange and that they would probably ask for Josh Hart because then they could facilitate either a you know, a third team to get involved or find another landing spot for Hart at the deadline um, and and would allow them to get something that's more equivalent to a first round pick because Hart probably has in general a little more value because of his, um, he's got a little more offensive juice to him than, than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's really limited on offense. Um, he's, he's, he's bigger and longer and probably like, I don't know if he's even a better rebounder, but he's bigger and longer and length matters and he can guard a couple other spots because of that length. But Hart is probably, for my money, Hart's just a better basketball player. Um, but so my idea was that they would, they would expand the trade. They would include Josh Hart. That would allow the Jazz to facilitate and get more assets in return. And it sounds like the asking price, which was very clearly from the reporting that was public, out there was at least a first-round pick, has really diminished. Uh, that's Matt Moore indicated as much in his report citing Tony Jones's um reporting that the first round pick might not be out there for Jared Vanderbilt. So it's, it's, it might end up being a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper might end up looking something like Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, and multiple second round picks, which is a trade that so many of you sent me. And, and I emailed so many of you back and said, Hey, don't think it's enough. Hey, don't think it's enough. Guess who was wrong? Your boy. That's right. Got it wrong in the basement. Got it wrong in the email. Got it wrong on the podcast. Got it wrong in the video feed everywhere. You, everywhere. It seems like I was wrong about this. I don't think it's like set in stone that that's going to be the asking price. Certainly, certainly that can, um, it might change. I might end up being closer to correct, but like when I end up wrong on deadline day, when this trade goes down on Thursday and I end up wrong, cause it really sounds like it's leaning in that direction. I want to be out in front and say, yeah, y'all were right. You got, you got, you, you all right. Uh, sure. Um, it happens. Uh, I try to be honest about like my logical thinking and all this and that when I'm, when I'm talking about trades and talking about transactions and when I get stuff wrong based on the reporting that's out there, I'm, I am happy to eat crow. Um, it is, uh, it's one of the benefits of doing this show. So I think like in general, I think, I think, diving into what Vanderbilt brings is not something we, I'm going to do now in this show. It's something I will do when he is officially traded, when it happens, when it, cause it really does seem like we're heading that way. Um, then I will, we'll, we'll dive deep to like the sort of cliff notes version is on offense. He's a five probably. Cause even though he shot really well in the games against the Blazers, he's not that. And on defense, uh, I thought he was excellent in Minnesota, like all, all defense good. He hasn't been that for the Jazz. In fact, they have closed games preferring to have Markkanen and Kessler on the court because of what Kessler brings and because Markkanen is, is kind of good enough. They've even left Jordan Clarkson in, in late in games. I watch a ton of Jazz games this year. They've left Clarkson in games because like Vando is not their guy, um, not that defensive ace guy that they ask him to be. Um, I don't think he's been very good on defense this year for the Jazz. He was really good last year for for the Timberwolves. It's somewhere in there. He's he's but on offense on de- on defense he can guard a whole bunch of different positions. In theory, although he might have taken a step back on offense, he's a center. The other thing, um, the like, I I want to I want to just touch on this in general. I do think um, 
more so than the um, with Joe Cronin in charge, it seems like the Blazers moves have been a little more telegraphed. It seems like we've seen like the CJ McCollum trade. It was like, okay, he's going to get traded. It's just when um, it, it and for the most part, I feel like we have heard rumblings of what happens and then something akin to that happens. Hey, CJ's linked to the Minnes- to the to the New Orleans Pelicans. I did like three podcasts about it before the trade went down with uh with Jake Madison over at Locked On Pelicans. Like it's um I would say in general, with Cronin in charge, and that just might be like the way um, it might be just like the, sort of the function of a newer uh, regime is that we seem to, when this stuff gets out, it seems to be real faster. So that's why I'm like kind of joking like future Blazer, future Blazer Jared Vanderbilt, because for the most part over, you know, two trade deadlines, this stuff has been out there publicly and you like it is, it has gotten out quicker and louder than, than, um, than it did under the previous regime. I, so like why I'm like a little bit, I'm being a little more firm with uh, the language here is because from what we've seen the previous deadline. Yeah, this stuff is real. Um, this stuff is real. The other thing is like, it's weird to get traded in the NBA. <laughs> I keep thinking about being Josh Hart and just like knowing that you're probably going to be on another team and you're going to have to move and you're going to have to move your family and your wife is pregnant and all of like, all of the weird things about being a human that gets traded and forced to take a new job. Um, and maybe I'll talk about this more on deadline day, but I cannot stop, um, considering how bizarre it must be to be Yusuf Nurkic with a calf injury, not knowing what your future holds for being Jared Vanderbilt, knowing that, you know, Jared Vanderbilt sat out the game tonight with back spasms for the jazz sitting on the bench. Um, we're in a really cool black and black and gold fit. I watched the little bit of jazz game before the Blazers game started, uh, like be knowing that you are headed somewhere else. It is, it is truly a bizarre week for all the people involved. And just a reminder, it's people involved. Okay. Speaking of people involved, Kyrie Irving, he plays for the Dallas Mavericks. That trade was made official today. I think it has some implications for the Blazers in general, and also maybe some longer term implications for the Blazers that could be, that could, in my eyes, impact the way that they should approach this and should approach this trade deadline. Let's talk about that to close the show. But first, let me tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Daily Fantasy Made Easy. I play Prize Picks on the app, but you can also play it on prizepicks.com. You can play a whole bunch of different sports. You can play NFL. You can play NHL. I personally play the NBA. When you're playing with the NBA, you are choosing between two and six players for your entry, and you're picking above or below the lines set by Prize Picks. So it's things like points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. Prize Picks sets the lines. You pick over or under those lines, and it's just you versus the projections. No fields, no experts, no sharks, no nothing. Price picks says what says the numbers. You say above or below those numbers, and then you win your money, and you can get it quickly with safe and fast withdrawals. And right now, first-time users, when you sign up for Price Picks on the app or at PricePicks.com and put in the promo code Locked On, they'll give you a hundred percent deposit match up to one hundred dollars. That means you put in a hundred bucks, match you a hundred bucks. Put in fifty bucks, they match you fifty bucks. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. Use that promo code Locked On when you sign up for Price Picks. That's Price Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Kyrie Irving is a Dallas Maverick. Weird. <laughs> first, first instinct on that is weird. Um, as far as like, you know, go listen to Locked on Mavs. Uh, 
Nick and Isaac do as do a, just a great job. It's a wonderful podcast. Even if you're not a Mavs fan, it's a wonderful podcast. They've broken down from every angle. They're really good. In fact, they predicted this exact trade, and my man Nick said that he didn't want it to go down prior to the trade happening. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie headed to the Brooklyn Nets. In general, I think the Mavs are going to be better on offense. They're already a good offensive team because Luka's so damn good. But having Kyrie Irving be the guy who runs the bench units and not Spencer Dinwiddie seems like a pretty good upgrade. Um, Obviously, Kyrie Irving has been unavailable a lot of his career for a variety of reasons, the least of which are physical health problems that have limited his participation in many a season, even without all the Kyrie stuff. Dude's had some health issues. Whatever. I think they're going to be fine. They have some defensive issues. Um, they got, you know, they got back Markeith Morris in the trade. Uh, so, obviously, he'll help. Uh, but I I think, in general, um, the Mavs are going to be worse on defense, but they might be even better on offense. We'll see. I think the play, it has more implications in the playoffs than the regular season. I think they they could climb up to like third in the West because they might just roll teams by being so overwhelmingly good offensively on many nights. One thing of note for the Mavericks, they have previously been linked to Jared Vanderbilt. And when they traded with the Brooklyn Nets, they only gave up a 2029 first rounder, which means they still have uh, first round picks available to trade in 2025 and 2027. Conceivably, uh, there also um, um, has been reported that they're also open to and maybe likely to trade Christian Wood. They could be a team that kind of mucks things up for the Jared Vanderbilt market because they could use him. They could use a big wing defender after losing Dorian Finney-Smith. That that seems real. Should they trade a first-round pick in 2025 for Jared Vanderbilt? Probably not. If the only other um, offer is like a couple seconds and um, and Nazir Little from from the Trailblazers, but you know what? Maybe, <laughs> maybe they will. I, I think it's worth, you know, they, um, according to uh, Matt Moore of Lockton NBA and Action News Network, uh, Matt reported that that they had discussed a Dorian Finney-Smith, Jared Vanderbilt trade, and the Mavs kind of balked at that and ended up getting Kyrie Irving for Dorian Finney-Smith. So maybe they revisit it. I think that's a, a thing to keep an eye on and could have an impact on the Blazers trade market. But in general, it does sound like the um, Vanderbilt trade is is the the market for Vanderbilt has quieted a whole bunch. The Jazz did not get the sexy haul they were hoping for, or haven't not haven't received that offer, and it might be going to the Blazers on the cheap. That's that's good news. That's an that's one part of the of the um, of the Kyrie trade. The other part is Kevin freaking Durant. As soon as the Kyrie Irving has requested a trade and it came out from a variety of people, Kyrie Irving's requested a trade from from Trania and from Haynes and from Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, from Stein, from all of the newsbreakers and brokers in the league, um, the next speculation from everybody, not even plugged in people, just like the lay folk, like you and I, were like, so is KD going to leave? And is KD going to leave February 8th? Or is he going to say, okay, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to move during the season. I can, I'm good enough to probably get us to, you know, at least the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs on my own. And then we're going to play Boston or Milwaukee and we're just not going to be good enough and we're going to lose. And then in the summertime, I will, I too will consider moving out of Brooklyn to another, to another metropolis. That is the obvious speculation. And because of that, at least somewhat realistic trade scenario, 
this is why the Blazers aren't going to unprotect their pick. They're not going to they're not going to um, go all in to get OG Ananobi or whatever. I think that's kind of dead or whatever. Like that's what I'm saying is like the Blazers are armed if they get their picks back, if they make the playoffs and convey that pick to the Bulls and they get their future picks to have a legitimately good package to trade for Kevin Durant, which is why it always made more sense for them to wait and go all in in the summertime for exactly this type of scenario. You know, I've, I've mentioned that I, I kind of want them to be irresponsible with their picks, but mostly I want them to be irresponsible with their picks when the opportunity arises. Kevin Durant arises and you can trade a kajillion future first round picks and Amphrey Simons and Shaden Sharp to get one of the 15 best players of all time and say, hey, Damian Lillard, do you want an all-NBA MVP-type running mate? The first time Damian Lillard would ever have it even be close to reasonable in the post-LaMarcus era to, era to consider that he was the second-best player on the team, 150 million percent. Go for it. I'm in favor of them striking out swinging as opposed to looking. The Durant thing's a little far-fetched. He'd kind of been eyeing Phoenix, and it's reported that Phoenix is kind of star-hunting and, and, again, like, keeping their powder dry, right? And like, not getting rid of Aiton, holding on to the, holding on to DeAndre Aiton, re-signing him, holding on to Jay Crowder, and, like, all of these things, like, to, specifically to when this type of trade comes up for them also to be the team that pursues it. So it's not like the Blazers are going to be only suitors for Kevin Durant. If he's truly on the market, he's, again, like I said, one of probably the 15 best players to ever play basketball. Uh, so um, at least... NBA players. So like it's, it is the Blazers should approach this deadline without, unless something wild comes up, you kind of just say, Hey, we'll do it in the summer because in the summer, this type of stuff can come up. It's why you, it's why you wait. It's why you kind of like, you know, I, again, like I'm in favor of them taking a probably big and somewhat irresponsible swing in terms of like, the holistic future organic team building, particularly in a market like Portland. Uh, because again, I'm, I'm, I'm just like in favor of that. It's more fun to me. Um, but you can't do it without that opportunity arising and you have to be prepared with all of your ammo when it arises. And if Kevin Durant ends up saying like, man, Kyrie left, I'm cool on it too. Get me out of here. He requested a trade last summer. If he does it again this summer, that's why you stay in the game. That's why you, that's why you stay prepared. So I think a big fallout of the Kyrie Irving trade is the Blazers. The front office pre preached patience in the fall when heading into on media day, heading into the season. There's a chance that their patience is specifically rewarded by the situation that has again arisen in Brooklyn less than a year later. So that's your fallout. Uh, Blazers play a some home games that they need to win um, if they're going to be a playoff team heading into the All-Star break, starting with Golden State on Wednesday night. Guess what? We'll cover the show. Um, we'll cover that in the show. Uh, I'm going to do like a mini mailbag and rumor roundup. And then for uh, you are listening to Tuesday's show, Wednesday show, heading into that, uh, heading into that game, heading into that game against the Warriors. We'll do a mini mailbag trade rumor roundup uh, because that'll be the night before. There's going to be some action night before the trade deadline. Obviously, we've got the trade deadline Thursday. It's a really fun week. Come back for more. We will talk about trades, and I will be wrong guessing about what the packages will be. Uh, but I'll try to walk you through my logic, and we'll have a whole bunch of fun. Future Trailblazers Jared Vanderbilt and Kevin Durant. See him soon. I'll see you soon. I'll talk to you soon, rather. I appreciate you listening. <laughs>